Hey everybody, how you doing out there tonight? Welcome back to the Fanholes Podcast here on the Fanholes Podcast Network. We're doing another episode in our Toku Thursdays, a line of Gaim episodes. However, we're not doing a Gaim episode tonight. We're actually going over movies. Actually, kind of a set of movies. We'll get more on that in a little bit. Let me just tell you the title, though. It's called, collectively, Kamen Rider Gaim Gaiden. But, of course, I can't do this by myself. I've got my buddy here, and go ahead and shout out. Let him know who's here, man. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC, ready to guide me up here tonight. <laughs> yeah, we watch these movies. Derek saw them first. Yeah, damn you. <laughs> I, I saw something first. I saw something first. Uh, 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 <laughs> 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 hey. Uh, it's an ongoing thing. We, me and me and Derek tend to. Uh... No, don't worry. There's gonna be there's gonna be like uh, twenty twenty seven more things that you've seen before me after this. So no big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is what it is. Um, this is actually a very interesting set of movies. I will reveal who they are about here in a minute. But before we go all in depth and detail and talk about the what came out, these are direct to video video uh, movies, by the way. I thought it'd be kind of cool to throw it over to Derek because uh, apparently. You guys, especially one person, loves Gaim and loves our retrospectives on it, and we appreciate it. So we've got some uh, feedback. Let, uh, let them know who talked to us, Derek. Yeah, so I got a, I got a Facebook IM from Mr. Ron Sadowski over from the Dinner for Geeks podcast. And this is in reference to our episode that, based on this IM, it was recently released. But, of course, if you're listening to this now... It's way, way back in the future, so, or back in the past. It's all this timey-wimey stuff. So he, he's actually talking about the episode, the adulthood arc, where we talked about episodes uh, 12 through 19 of Gaim. And so he basically said, oh, actually, you know what? I'm totally wrong. This is not, not about 12 and 19. This was about the, crossover, the crossover one. So, so oh, okay. The one with Luke and everything, I think. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. So so sorry, I was I was totally not paying attention. So anyway, in the the Facebook IM, Ron starts to say, "Thanks for the show. I was able to find and watch it first before I guess he listened to the podcast. I felt it was a bit uneven feeling, more like an episode of Wizard and then a crossover episode of Guy, but overall very enjoyable. Made me hunker down and watch Heisei versus Showa." and the great soccer match. Now my guy I'm watching is complete. Back to Common Rider 71. So, and he had <laughs> told before that he was in the middle of watching, like, the original Common Rider and stuff, which there are tons more episodes of that than most most Common Rider shows, because I think that was one of those ones yeah. that just went on forever, where they're like, I don't know, I don't know if there's, like, hundreds of episodes, but it, I think it gets pretty close to that. Like, at least, I think yeah. it gets into, like, 80s and 90s at least or something. So he's probably got a lot of a lot of watching ahead of him, but 
But anyway, I, I guess the point of all that was we were happy to get Ron's IM. We're happy that people are out there enjoying listening to the podcast and that, that we can turn them on to either, you know, some of the movies and side series that maybe they missed out on because we're sort of going, you know, chronologically in terms of the story and, and you know, including all these kind of spinoffs and sideshows and everything like that. But yeah, we were we were happy to get it. And thanks for the feedback, Ron. And we hope you're still enjoying listening to Toku Thursdays now. So, and I guess I'll turn it back over to Tony because we're going to get into which characters are involved in this side story, this Gaim Gaiden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, Ron, just let you know, in the Haisai area, yeah, all the movies are pretty much a passing of the torch. You're always going to get one guy who's from the previous series, and then the new guy gets in the second part of the movie. So you got to get kind of used to it. Yeah, it's cool, though. You've decided to go to a nearby restaurant. You ask the hostess to seat you in a booth. As you sit, you notice an animated conversation among the four seated behind you. They're talking about Star Wars and Doctor Who and something called the Laugh Olympics. These are the people you used to pants in high school. And yet, you cannot help listening. Unable to tear your ears away, you realize you've just been sucked into the Dinner for Geeks. Dinner for Geeks, weekly at twotruefreaks.com. But enough of that, enough of that silliness. It's time to be serious, because our first guy movie of the Gaiden series is about Zangetsu. We'll also be talking about our good friend Kaito Baron later on. But we are going to get to Zangetsu first. Takatora. This is really cool to me because, as I've stated and Derek has stated many times, right now in the series that we're watching, Takatora just kind of shows up. He's kind of a big bad, and he's also a guy who is kind of there for the movies. He's there just to play a role. He is a writer. He's there. Sometimes he's good in a weird way. Sometimes he's kind of neutral. He's never really evil in the writer movies. He's just there. And that's kind of kind of frustrating because you're like, what is this guy's deal? You know, what what's his whole thing about, you know, Yggdrasil? You know, he's head of the corporation. Shouldn't he be playing a bigger part? All that good stuff. So then we get Kamen Rider Gaim Gaiden, and we get a full story about him. One thing I wanted to point out right before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of this situation, is this reminds me a lot of Transformer Spotlights, the comics, where they take a character – that may be really popular, like Optimus Prime with like Baron, you know, that's the analog I go with. And then they take a character like Zangetsu Takatora, who's kind of like Mirage, who we just did a Transformers Tuesday on. And, you know, he's not as important right now as far as his screen time, but every time he shows up, he makes an impact. And it's really cool that we get to see more about what makes him tick, which this movie really does very well. I guess we'll just jump into Zangetsu. Basically, Takatora, this, at this point in the Gaim series, he's still working on Project Ark. He's going to save humanity, and he's going to do it his way. Might kill a lot of people, but there's a part of him that doesn't care, but there's also this nagging confrontation he had with Koda, where he's not so much 
going against his own ideas, but he's like, you know, am I doing the right thing? But while this is all going on, while he's, you know, debating what, what is what is right, the uh, Kurokage, the uh, former Hase armored rider form, the, the mass-produced stormtroopers, are getting attacked by armored rider and Derek, I don't think we've ever seen this person before. Nope, we've never seen this person before. Attention. Ringo! It's, what is it? It's kind of like supposed to be uh, uh, Apple Armor, right? Yeah, well, I'll give away the name right now as far as like the Armored Rider's name. It's a common Rider Idun, which is actually a reference to the Greek goddess of fertility, and she has an apple. She's well known for having apples. That's kind of her thing. And this is apple-based armor, which we had never seen before. Yeah, yeah, and 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 my my favorite of the new generation writers gets his ass royally whooped by this <laughs> mystery armor apple stuff. So yeah, I don't. I, I I think I think this was the point where I was like, oh, this is this is going to be more like you know Spawn on HBO because I didn't. I I think I I. I guess because we've been watching Gaim, like most of the TV episodes of Gaim air on TV, and even if they are maybe targeted to an older audience, you know, maybe if it's like boys from like 12 to 15 or whatever, like, and, and uh, you know, as we say, maybe Sentai is for, you know, boys from like, you know, 6 to 11 or something like that, you know, there 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 is that degree of, well, it is on TV, it is for kids, you know, to different ages and degrees and all that kind of stuff. So you don't get too heavy into. I mean, things get heavy, but not. Uh, I, I this this seemed to me to be, have that you know HBO spawn level of quote unquote maturity where it's like you're like oh dude like when Sid gets knocked out by this new shadowy rider that you don't really see too much of when she first shows up it's like dude he's like it, you know he's like spitting out teeth and there's blood and like all this kind of stuff is going on yeah so you're yeah. kind of like wow this is you know this is a bit more violent you know than than your average television episode of gone so i think that's part of the advantage to them i guess well quote unquote advantage i mean i don't know you know it's like it's like you know the the dc fans that you know i, I know you and i are not of that ilk but I mean, I know, you know, Justin never liked a lot of the newer directed video ones where everybody is, you know, cursing and, you know, cutting up people and it's all blood and gore and that kind of thing, you know? So, yeah. so it's like, this is, this has layers of that aspect to, to this, you know, since it's a direct to video release, you know, it is more violent and and there is insinuations of, you know, it, 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 it I, I don't want to say, like, I know that people make the distinction between mature storytelling and then sort of like that gratuitous Spawn HBO stuff. I don't I don't know that I consider this to be gratuitous, but it did sort of, you know, catch me off guard where I was kind of like, oh, well, shit, he just got knocked the fuck out in the face and he's bleeding all over the place. So, you know, and, and it does deal with kind of more, I'd say, like sexual themes, you know, at least. I mean, they don't go into it, but. But as yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll find out, there's there's you know a former acquaintance of Takatora that we're going to be introduced to as the series progresses. And like I think in some of the interviews, like it was, you know, so the actor had mentioned something to the effect of, "Oh, there's even a bedroom scene in this," and apparently that was cut out. But 
you're, you're thinking, oh, like Pakatora got some nookie, even though it was probably a deleted scene or whatever. So, I mean, they're definitely playing up that angle, you know, that HBO spawn angle where it's like Tony Twist has all these, you know, big boobed, uh, you know, hookers running around for no <laughs> suitable reason. And, and that, you know, every five minutes, you know, somebody's getting punched in the alleyway and bloody teeth are flying all over the place. So. I, I mean, I was kind of like, oh, this is, you know, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't horribly offended by it or anything. I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. Like, this is, you know, it's like, Gaim's not just for kids. You know, this is not yeah. your father's guy. You know, all that kind of crap. Well, I, I think I said earlier this week in the IM message, I was like, and this is not to take away anything from Gaim. I, I love the Gaim series. I like the side movies. I enjoy all of it, you know, on a certain level. But I had to remark to Derek, I was like, these seem like real movies. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's to to me like it's it's interesting because I mean, and I know we're kind of going into what we think of it before we kind of you know go through some of the descriptions and details and everything. But I I kind of felt like I mean it, it's got that to me. This is like Takatora's like film noir kind of movie yeah. or whatever. You know, like I I was to yeah. me I kind of compared it to like. He's kind of like Dwight in in Sin City's Dame to Kill for, you know. And, yeah, and, and, and even like I don't I don't know if they filmed this a certain way, but the the copy I saw, it doesn't even seem as colorful as Gaim usually is. It seems a little washed out, not majorly, but just a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, which is really cool. I, we we should go back to the story before Sid actually gets his ass kicked. Takatora actually meets up with an old acquaintance of his, Toka Akatsuki. Damn, I'm so horrible with Japanese names. Toka Akatsuki was actually later a uh, servant for the uh, Kurishima family, kind of like a nanny, I guess. But in her younger years, she was actually a childhood friend of Takatora. And, you know, he even says that he kind of, you know, has a soft side for her, which for Takatora is very rare. He doesn't seem to have a soft side for anything. Apparently his father was kind of an asshole, kind of a dick, kind of strict. So this time to actually be a child for him is very important. And when they meet up again, very, very, very happy. Unfortunately, their dad died. And that's what she came to tell them. So, you know, bittersweet, definitely, as far as that goes. With her in place as, like, you know, this childhood friend, that that's when Sid does get his ass kicked, indeed. The new writer we have, like I said, her, her name is Idun, and she looks like a badass. And she uses a new lock seed that we have never seen before. It's called the Ringo Lock Seed. <laughs> and she looks cool. She's got like a shield and like a like sword that goes into the shield. I, I really liked her look. What do you what do you think of how she looks, Derek? Yeah, I, I like the look. I mean it's it's yeah, it's yeah. certainly no it's it's no cherry arms, you know? Like I mean it's <laughs> cool. I, I like it. Like it, it it's fun. This is probably this is what, this is the second female Gaim rider we've seen. So besides um, Yeah. What's her name? Maraka, Minaka, Minata, uh, whatever. Minato. Minato. So, so like besides her, like this is this is the the second writer that we've seen that. I, I mean, is it? It's pretty obvious, right? That it's a, that it's a girl. I mean, when when yeah. we first see her. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't want I don't want to you know kind of throw our hand away or whatever, but I mean you, you kind of know it's a female writer, right? She yeah. she's very she's very she's very thin. You know, like like athletic, but you know, you could tell she has a girl, you know, look to her. She looks like a female. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely not as big as the other guys. Don't matter. She kicks her ass. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
and actually it's kind of interesting because while she's just beating the fuck out of Sid, Minato is actually getting ready to fight, you know, like, uh, you know. However, though, the writer is more interested in Michi. And he's going, she's going after him, and Takatora is like, you know, oh, hell no, you know. Energy. Nope. He gets his Loxie straight up taken. He, like, he didn't get his wallet taken. He got his Loxie taken. <laughs> you gotta, gotta think he was pissed about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, poor guy. He's trying to figure out what's going on here, because like we said, Adun has never appeared anywhere. This is her first appearance in the Common Rider guy in chronology. And Takatora, he's he's a very methodical person, if nothing else. Even though he's upset about what's going on, he, he digs. And he finds out that his father, he was not only an asshole, he was a he was a he's a fucking asshole. There's this place called the Zawami Child Care Facility. And the there were children who were basically orphans. And they had experiments conducted on them so they could interact with Helheim to go into Helheim. And Holy crap, that's evil. I mean, people can say you know what? Or, yeah, you know, really. You know what that kind of reminded me of? And I don't know if this is a reference that's going to be lost on, on our listeners or not, but there's a manga anime entitled Monster, and it's it's a really fascinating manga and, and anime. The anime, I think, is about like 70-something episodes or so. And I, I remember I just got totally caught up watching it. But a lot of the weird backstory to it is that they they come across, you know, they're trying to find this, this serial killer, basically. But he's also just so politically connected and tied to all these high officials. And they're, they're tracking down all the little myriads of ins and outs of, of where he's lived and where he's been and what he's done and everything. And and one of the things that they come across is all these kind of basically what we're seeing in this episode, these kind of strange uh, layers upon layers. Know. Yeah. Well, well, not only layers upon layers, but these, these sort of these, these weird, perverse, you know, Mangala think tanks for little kids. You know what I mean? Where it's like yeah. they're 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 experimenting in very sort of, you know, non-ethical ways, you know, to meet their goals. And, and basically they're making, yeah. you know, these kind of sadistic, you know, these kids grow up to be these psycho crazy people because of all the, the, the Mangala shit that's being perpetrated on them and everything. So it's, it's very, yeah. yeah. Like you said, I mean, this is, this is that aspect of it where, I mean, it, it ties into the story and everything. And so you, you learn more about, you know, where, you know, where the Karishima family, like where their head was at and where they were coming from and their, their place in the overall Gaime story. But since this is a direct video, it seems like they're a lot more free to explore the, those kind of aspects, you know, the horrible things that are done in the name of like science or something where basically it's like, oh, well, this is for the greater good and we're, we're going to create these suits and, we're going to, you know, help make these prototypes yeah. and it's, it's to save humanity and blah, 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 blah. But in the meantime, it's like they're doing all these horrible things to all these, these little kids. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, does the, does the ends justify the means? Exactly. And okay, let's go ahead. You guys are not dumb who listen to this show. I know you're not. We have a new civilian character introduced and we have a new female guy. I'm writer. Uh, who could it be? Okay. Yeah. Talk to her figures it out too. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's why that's why I was like, I didn't want to give it away. But yeah, I mean, it totally reminds me of Dame to Kill for because I mean, it, it's not like she's, you know, it's not like uh, Akasuki is this totally like smoking hot chick or anything like where she's like, you know, Ava from from Dame yeah. to Kill for where she's got Takatora by by his little thing or whatever. But it, it it's like you described them. Yeah. I mean, they are they are essentially it's his only childhood friend who he you know basically it's like it's funny because like i don't I, I don't know how to explain this but i've seen relationships of people in my life where i've thought like oh well this guy's a really good looking guy and you know not that i you know it's just you know like this is a friend of mine he's a good looking guy and then the the woman he marries or the person he ends up with, I'm kind of like, yeah, she's she's great for him, she's nice. But somehow you think they're not quite equivalent, like it, yeah, like like I can see she's not ugly, but she's she's no my, you know, she's no my. Yeah, 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 it's like it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the best way to put it. I mean, you know, she's not she's not, and even in that sense, she's not of the caliber of Takatora. It's not like you know, I I think they wanted to make that delineation because he's from you know, he's from the upper crust and she's from the serving class, basically. Is, is what yeah, even, even status-wise, they, they shouldn't match, yeah. You know, they, they, they're they not supposed to match, but then, you know, it's like they, they have a lot of these kind of like sweet scenes where they have flashbacks to, to, you know, when they first introduced and she's in this little maid outfit or whatever. Like, I thought she kind of looked cuter when they had the flashbacks of her as a kid or yeah. whatever. I guess and, and, of course, and, of, and, of course, symbolism. Not dirty symbolism, you you dirty fuckers. Don't think of it this way. She gives him pie, and what kind of pie is it? It's an <laughs> apple pie. <laughs> Not dirty symbolism. Yeah, she gives him an apple pie, and apparently the apple pie is fucking horrible. It's it's funny they they do a good yeah. job at conveying like how horrible this apple pie is. Like that she's just yeah. she's she she's not a, a very good cook her first time out you know i guess uh, as a little kid you know being the attendant to the the quote unquote the young master or whatever and they have kind of a laugh over it about how yeah how i was gonna say like that that, that that was actually a sweet scene because if you are a really good friend of somebody if you actually have a good bond with somebody you could tell them something they do sucks you know i mean you know I've had friends tell me, you know, like, hey, Tony, that drawing you did was awesome. And then I've had friends say, hey, Tony, that drawing you did, not so good. You know, <laughs> you could do better. And that's what it was. It wasn't that he was, you know, blasting her. He wasn't like, oh, your pie sucks. He was just like, not so good. And she laughs, you know, because she's like, you're right, probably is, you know, probably not the best in the world, you know. And that's well, that's kind like, of a cool, she, yeah. It's that realization, too, where, you know, she tries it herself, too. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is this is pretty fucking terrible, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, yeah. So, like, scenes like that, you know, definitely not only build up our, our enemy, but they also build up Takatora. It's like, he is human. He does have, you know, the ability to have emotions and stuff. And he's kind of, you know, torn about this. And you got to remember, he doesn't have his melon energy right now. And who comes in? Well, not comes in, but he goes to see Ryoma. And we get watermelon energy arms, which I think Derek was probably, probably pretty happy about. He likes watermelon. Uh, so. Yeah, I know, right? Well, and cool. this is, I guess, this is what his replacement for having mysteriously lost the original watermelon arms to his, his younger brother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Ryoma, yeah. Ryoma, Ryoma kind of gives him some crap for that, where it's like, don't 
don't lose this one, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, all right now. So he has to confront Akasuki, and they they have a back and forth. You know, she she is she's like, you know, because of your family, your dad, I was tortured basically as a child, and then it's realized not only is he dead, but she killed him. It was her, and. Dr. Tor is obviously, you know, taken aback. You know, this is his childhood friend. And there was even, like, you know, possibly not a budding romance, but there was definitely, they seemed, they, they, it seemed like, you know, girl from the wrong side of the tracks. You know, it seemed like he was kind of interested in her. Well, yeah, no, yeah. I think I think she was she was playing that angle. I mean, if she knew the whole time that, because it, it seems like her goal basically was to wipe out his family, you know, because yeah. she blamed she blamed them for what happened to her. And I mean, they, they have the conversation about the, the noblesse oblige, you know, the, the nobility obliges, you know, where basically it's like, Oh, the responsibility of those who are privileged to basically act with, you know, to impart their generosity on, on those who are, you know, less fortunate than them and everything. And like that, that's something that he, I think Takatora is like, well, even though my dad did all these assholey things, like this is the one thing I took away from him that I have implemented into my own sense of of justice and my own sense of of you know you know basically that's part of his day-to-day sensibilities like yeah he, how he, yeah he even says like but, he, but he says he, he will continue to do what he believes in even if he has to lay down his life for it yeah and 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 i think you know i mean he he might not have been privy to all this kind of stuff at the time but it, it's i don't oh, know yeah, like well, that, I mean, that's, I, that's the kind of thing where I, I i i enjoy seeing why he does what he does and, and kind of finding out more reasons about why he you know, where he comes from and, and his kind of attitude about these things. Yeah, yeah, because, like, you know, even though he is taken aback that, like, this girl from his past killed his father, when he finds out all the things that led up to this, he doesn't give his father a pass. You know, he, like, he does, you know, hold a lot of, like, the traits his father had close to his heart. You know, he still likes the strength that his father had and his determination. But even he was like, you know, that's kind of fucked up, Dad, you know? <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so, yeah, he's definitely not like, you know, cold hearted. So the big battle, really good battle, really fun battle. Yeah. I, between, I, uh, I, I, love, and, yeah. I love the you, you know what the best fucking part is, is like when basically you, I guess if you've been listening to us, you know, we describe these cracks where they're the the cracks to Helheim Forest and everything. And, and I don't know if we've mentioned this or not, but. It seems like one of the the powers of the Idon suit is that she can self-generate these cracks. That's why she can take out all these guys so fast and beats the shit out of Sid and all these other guys. Yeah, she's, and, she's, kind, of like yeah. A, she's kind of like a teleporter. Yeah, well, you know what she's like? She's kind of like, like the spot from Spider-Man, you know, like where it's like yeah. instead of being the little black circles and everything, it's like she, she can basically you know, generate cracks wherever she wants. So, or, or like blink from the days of future past and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, it's like, it's just all this awesome, like fighting where you, you know, it's like she starts in one area and then a crack opens above the sky and she's coming down on them and like all this really bitching stuff. I mean, it's a, 
Yeah, we're probably I'm the I'm probably not doing it justice, but I, I I think it was really a badass, awesome fight between the two of them. Yeah, and I would even go to say as far as say is like I think the watermelon energy is probably one of the reasons why he was able to combat her because watermelon apparently it just seems to be a very powerful lock seed, but he he does eventually get the upper hand. He is he is Takator after all, and he gets his melon energy lock seed back. And he, you know, plugs in, becomes Zangetsu Shin. He, he is in his Shin form in this movie. And he's about to lay the smack down and finally get rid of Akusuki. But he can't. Because he still cares about this girl. It's it's interesting because the 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 dialogue exchanged between them. I mean, you, you can tell, like, part of it was her putting on a show and trying to warm up to him and everything. But I think... I think there is part of her young self that really did like him when she was a kid. So at this point, you know, her response to that is like, why, why did you have to be a, a Karishima? You know, like, yeah. it's like, why, it's basically yeah, like, yeah, yeah. kind of like saying, it's kind of like saying, oh, you know, it's like, it's like, I, I love you so much, but why, you know, it's like, why do you have to be, you know, X? You know, like what, whatever it is that, that is the most horrendous thing you can think of to her being a Karishima is that, you know, but it's like, why do you have to be a Mangala supporter? You know what I mean? Like, why, yeah. why, you know, like, why, why do you do heinous experiments on people and send them to gas chambers and all this shit? It's like, yeah. you know, that kind of thing, you know, basically. Kind of reminded me of Romeo and Juliet. It was like, you know, why must I be a Capulet and me a Montague? You know, it was like, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, yeah, there's that that star-crossed aspect to it, where if only, if not for their family names, you know, and and what was done, you know, maybe they could actually be happy, maybe. But yeah, as I said, he he does let her go. He he just he, he just pretty much just like he does. He just lets her go. He just can't bear himself to do it. She runs away. One thing that we have seen during the course of this movie is the Ringo lock seat, even though it's very powerful, comes with a price. And that is is that she's slowly turning into an invest. Even though it was a lock seat that she used it in a Sengoku warring driver, it's a newer form of lock seat and it did have a side effect. Also, we get a nice little spoiler teaser kind of thing for another character. She returns to the orphanage where she was raised and experimented on. And who is there but Rayoma? He was also raised in that orphanage, and he's he's Ryoma, and you don't have to worry about Kamen Rider Idun because he kills her, and he quickly takes back the Ringo Lock Seed, which makes you think, hmm, I wonder where she got that Ringo Lock Seed from. I, I didn't wonder. Huh? <laughs> I said I didn't wonder. You didn't wonder. <laughs> Yeah, we pretty much all know, like, Ryoma thing. He likes experimenting on people. Just like Kurashima's dad, he's big on guinea pigs, and it's 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 no big stretch that he pretty much probably approached Akasuki Ed and was like, here, I'll give you some power. Let's see what you do with it. Ryoma comes off as a big bad in this. He comes off like an asshole, because she turned into an invest. She's already torn, because she kind of still wants Takatora, like as far as, like, to kill him and to be with him. And she's like, I'm turning into an invest. My life sucks. Holy shit, Ryoma is in the, was in the same orphanage, and he's, like, the mastermind behind all the uh, technology now. And he just straight-up kills her. You know, he, he's just well, like, I, I want this back. 
Ryoma is kind of like the cleanup guy. He's the guy who makes everything cool so that the guy who found out Superboy's secret identity is Clark Kent is, like, dead by the end of the Superboy story so it doesn't screw up, like, Superman continuity. You know, it's like, this is this is not only not only is this a side story, but this is this is set in between a certain period of the Gaim TV series. So, you know, you, you basically, you know, it, it is tragic that this happens the way it does and, and, you know, what goes on between Takatora and Akatsuki. But the uh, the final analysis, it's like Takatora cannot have a common writer girlfriend who's slowly turning into an invest. You know, it's like like that. Yeah, basically, yeah. it's and, and, and it's a loose end as well, basically, in terms of of how those suits were created. You know, so it's like, oh, well, Ryoma's going to clean up all the the loose ends as he is, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree totally. Like I, I done is cool. And, you know, she, she, like you, me and you said, she has a great battle with Zangetsu, but her going forward into the series would just have created too many problems. So getting rid of her was the best option as far as storytelling. But I, I, I mean, I really, really did like this. I mean, everything from the kind of noir feel to the, the super badass fight between the two of them at the end, the way, uh, you know, I think everything was wrapped up neatly. It didn't feel like, you know, like th- this is basically something that was done after the fact, but designed to fit into the overall narrative. And I thought they did a good job with that. Which is funny because it was done after the fact. This was released in April of this year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's, that's really cool on them, yeah. I mean, I know I know some people are nitpicking, you know, things like, oh, well, somebody didn't have his mustache. You know, it's like some people's hair styles are a little different and all that, but it's like, come on, man, it's been yeah, it's been a couple of years. Like, give them, you know, cut them, cut them a break. You know, like, you know, yeah. I mean, it, in terms of just the the vibe and the feel and everything, I I thought this was great. I I am more than happy to give this this part of the Common Rider Gaim Gaiden the, the Zangetsu portion. I I would certainly give it five out of five pineapples. I mean, I. I thought it was very enjoyable. It has that mature adult gritty stuff. If you're into that, like for me, I thought it was it was really cool. I didn't think it was too over the top or anything. I thought it was I thought it was just right, and I I really really did enjoy it. Yeah, like I said to start off this portion of the show, Takatora doesn't get a lot of character development in this part of the series as far as Gaim goes. We'll see what happens later, but you know, for right now, he's just a mysterious bad guy, and. You don't have to reveal everything, but this nice little slice of his life that also reveals more about Yggdrasil and his father and, like, you know, how much of bastards these people are, and he's not the complete bastard he could be, it's kind of like a Magneto thing. It, like, gives depth to the character. The best villains are those who have a genuine purpose, who have, like, who feel they're doing the right thing. And that was really what this did, you know? It was like, you almost saw Zangetsu as the hero because she killed his father. But at the same time, she had a reason. She had been tortured, but she went the wrong way. Zangetsu might go the wrong way later, but for this, you know, he didn't seem so much as the hero, but he did seem like he was doing what needed to be done. Because he didn't kill her, but he had to defeat her because she was a little bit manic. She could have hurt more people. And, it yeah, it just wrapped up really nicely. Like I said, that's why this seemed like a real movie. We had a beginning, a middle, and end. You had a nice mystery. You had good action. And, and, and as far as the actors go, everybody played their part great. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. So yeah, I will I will definitely have to secret brother you on this one and give give it five pineapples. Definitely five out of five. Yeah, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Um, <laughs> by heaven's decree. Sawate. <laughs> My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their backroll year one work, Brian Q. Miller on his backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the backroll spoiled the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. But, guide in. It's not just one movie. It's two movies. Two, two, two movies in one. They're, they're split into two parts, and we have gone over the first one, which we, me and Derek both really enjoyed. The next one is Kamen Rider Battle on Gaiden. Now, I don't know how Derek feels about this, but I know Baron is one of his favorite characters, so he'll probably like this movie. I thought it was really good, too. We'll go ahead and start off with Kaito, who is, of course, Kamen Rider Baron. And he's looking for overlords, because Ramo was kind of like, you know, poking and prodding them, you know, because at this point in the series, Kaito is not a puppet of Yggdrasil, but he's definitely working with them. He's trying to find his strength, which is his whole thing. He loves strength. He wants to become the strongest. But during this, we're introduced to a new character. Kinda. A heir to a foreign country, Shapul, is visiting Zawami as part of an inspection. And... What do you know? We're getting a little bit of... I'm trying to think of a movie this reminds me of, but basically Kaido and Shapul are played by the same actor, and Shapul is kind well, of a dorky-like... Uh, go ahead. I, I wouldn't go with the movie. I, I would I would apply... I would appeal to your... your anyone's theatrical roots. It, it, it's a comedy of errors thing. It's, it's the idea yeah. that these guys coincidentally look exactly alike. So Shapul is played by the same actor that plays Common Rider Baron, who plays Kaito. So, and it, I guess it gives him an opportunity again to flex his muscles as an actor. Whereas, you know, Baron is cool and collected and hip and everything. Shapul is this sort of repressed, hoity-toity, you know, rich kid who basically when given the opportunity to run rampant in Zawame City is, you know, just the most easily excitable, smiley, yeah. friendly, 
kind of, oh, yay, you know, guy you can think of. So it's, I yeah. mean, obviously, that that's what it's for. Uh, the, I think the, the the best story is The Prince of the Pauper, the original one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's pretty much what it is. Shapul sedates him, <laughs> which is kind of funny, because, you know, it's kind of anything, you know, super badass, but Shapul does get a drop on him. It's not just because he, like, you know, fucking kicks his ass or anything. However, he does switch clothes with him. So now, not only does he look like him in, you know, facial features, but he has his clothes. He has battle on his clothes. And probably one of my favorite moments of this whole movie is Shapul Kaito running up to the stage where Gaim is. And uh, Baron is there, too. And he's like, let's dance. And he's, like, just smiling and everything. Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, everybody's kind of like, what the hell's wrong with Kaito, yeah, I mean, like, even like Team Baron is like, this, 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 what's happening to Kaido? He's like being nice. Well, he's, he's yeah, but everybody of, likes him. It's it's weird. It's like he's part awestruck fanboy because he's seen all these yeah, yeah. beat writers dancing on TV and everything, and that's that's sort of how he discovers that that he is a you know Kaito's look-alike double and everything, because he's like, hey, I look I look exactly like this guy that's dancing with, with Team Baron and everything. But then the way he, you know, it, 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 it's... The way he acts, like, he's he's a little more effeminate. He's, he's very much like a kid in a candy store. Like, let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's yeah, he's ooh, very ooh, open. Ooh. Yeah. You know, and everything. So it's like when he basically, even when they're done dancing, like it's like, great, we all dance. Like, give me a high five. Like, let's all hug. Yeah. Like, let's all do whatever. And then he basically like takes Mai by the hand and is like, oh, you want to go to Charmin? Like, let's go to Charmin. Charmin's great. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they're like running off to Charmin and everything. I mean, I, I I can appreciate this as as a way for the actor to stretch his acting muscles, like for him to have fun doing something different. I mean, as far as the overall mythology and everything, I think the stuff that, you know, like you said, I do like Baron, but it's like this part of it is more about this, this portion of the movie is more about Tobey Maguire taking off the Spider-Man mask and making goobly faces. Like not, I'm not. It's yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's just it's it's more ego centric to to the actor doing something fun for him to do, and and that can be fun to watch, but it doesn't really yeah, yeah. add the overall like the 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 flashbacks and the, the things we find out about Kaito later on in this do add to the overall story. I think. Yeah. And I think. And, you, and even you, even Shapool, like his backstory, we learned too. Yeah, yeah, and I I just think when you're promised a, a common rider Baron Gaiden, you know, like part of you is like I think this is what I expected the power of Fresh to be, like in some weird way, like that that you know would be oh Baron's gonna go like, off and have adventures, you know, like him being yeah him being the shining star, like just Kaito, you know? yeah. Yeah, and, and, and this was a, you know, it wasn't quite that. It's like, oh, Kaido kind of gets rolled and pwned and everything by Chapul, so this yeah. whole comedy terror things can go down. And there's nothing, I mean, well, there's nothing wrong with 
that. It's funny, like even even for like you know tying into to more of the stuff that's that's specific to to the actor that plays Kaito. You know when when Shapul and Mai, you know he drags Mai to Charmant and nobody's there. He makes her. Yeah, he makes her a cake. Yeah, and 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 to me, I'm like, oh, we're back on the whole like fresh like thing. We're back on the fresh thing because again, he's he's cooking, you know. So yeah. I mean, there's, that's that's, that's, a, that's a deal in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 cute, and I, I think I understand your disconnect because while cute is nothing bad, I mean, you know, a cute story is always fun if it's played comedically well, and the actor is doing a good job with the comedy. At the same time, with the character of Baron, he's such a badass. You want to see Baron kick ass, you know? Well, and and it is it is sort of sold to you as the common writer Baron Guyton. And up to this point, it's kind of more like the common writer Shafool Guyton, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's kind of how I feel about it to this point. I mean, even even when you get to the like the whole action piece of it. I mean, when they're in in Charmont, then. You know, after he makes her the little dessert and everything, and Mai's like, "This is great" and everything. It, it's like, I think Durian, you know, Bravo ends up coming in and being like, "What? What are you Philistines doing in my kitchen? Like, why'd you let?" I think what Junichi's there, and he's like, "Why'd you let these guys into my kitchen?" And it's like, "Oh, it's you, the naughty, stupid boy. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you pay." And then once he turns into Bravo, then you know, Shapul doesn't know enough. He only knows what he knows. From having watched TV, yeah. and all he knows that they are beat writers who dance on these stages, so that when when Bravo is like, okay, transform and face me and and be a man and all this other stuff, and it's like he's like, oh, I don't know what to do, and you know, he's, again, he, he gets to do something different from what he normally does, which is to play this cool, collected badass guy, and instead now he's he's kind of playing a more slapstick like. You know, Mai's like, oh, aren't you going to transform? And it's like, no, now he's hiding behind Mai. Mm-hmm. You know, like, kind of thing. Like, Nani? You know? <laughs> yeah. what, what am I supposed to do? Well, I mean, uh, during this, though, Kaito is not completely helpless. He has come around, and he finds out that Shampoo's butler, Alfred, has been looking for him. And we're kind of giving hints already that he may not be looking for him just for his well-being. So, yeah, we'll see. Alfred. <laughs> Alfred's not all into washing socks and stuff. That's all I'm yeah, yeah, exactly. Upon, like, you know, seeing Kaito and stuff, you know, we have a few moments of, again, a person of the pauper where they take Kaito to, like, you know, the business, you know, like, or the air thing, and, like, you know, Kaito's trying to play his part of Shapool, but just, like, people see Shapool and in Kaito's role, I'm like, oh, he's different, but we like it. People see Kaito in Shapool's role, and they're like, the fuck is he so serious about? <laughs> you know, they're like, this is not Shapool, you know? Well, yeah, that, I mean, basically, you know, Alfred thinks he's going to, you know, find Shapool, manhandle him, and take him back, and, and you know, go about his, his normal plans, which we're not entirely privy to yet. But instead, since it's Kaito, yeah. you know, it's essentially these thugs, these hired thugs, you know, that are going to drag him back to the hotel room or whatever, it's like he basically, you know, kicks all their asses, and he's like, don't fucking touch me, bro. You know. So, yeah, yeah. Come and, at me. And they're like, oh. And then it's like, oh, well, well, since since when when was Shapool like this? You know, because of course he's dressed yeah. up like the young 
you know, the young hoity-toity rich kid who, who normally doesn't have much of a spine. In this case, Kaido actually has a spine, so he, he stands up for himself. And it's like, you know. Yeah, and uh, due, due to uh, Yggdrasil's resources and the fact that they, you know, hired Orin many times before, Kaido gets a hold of Bravo, and he's like, you know, just just take care of Shapool for a minute while, while I figure everything out. Kaido meets up with Shapool again, and then we find out that Alfred... His whole thing is he is he's kind of a kind of a mastermind, I guess you would say. His whole plan is to have Shapool be killed and then report back to his father that he was accidentally taken out. And then he's going to use his influence to get higher up in the industry and, you know, get get some money for himself and whatnot. Not only this, but Alfred has also gone to the great lengths to go to Ryoma and request warring Sengoku drivers. For for uh, originally supposedly, Japul's father's country, but his it, it actual intent is to get a warring driver for himself, so he could become a common rider, which he indeed does, and he also has the lock seed and warring belt, and they are confronted, and then we get honestly he's my avatar. We get one of the cooler common rider designs, Dragon Fruit Energy. And it's a Genesis driver, not like Idun's, which was just a normal warring driver. It's a Genesis driver. And he becomes Kamen Rider Tyrant. Yurusanzo. Dragon Yeah, I thought this, I thought Tyrant was pretty cool looking. I I think it's one of those things where, as opposed to I guess maybe like Chip and Dale, where it's like, oh, I didn't expect this type of quote unquote fruit. You know, it's like yeah. uh, I didn't I didn't expect dragon fruit, but it does. I'm kind of yeah. like, no, this this kind of works for me. Like this this kind of makes sense. Like it's pretty neat. I was just gonna yeah. ask though before we get into the whole, you know, I guess you know. Dragon energy arms versus Baron and stuff. Back to the, the Charmant thing. Like, what did you think about, you know, basically, you know, they, they had Knuckle Man versus Bravo for, for a brief minute there because I guess to, to expedite or, or help with Shapool disguised as Kaito's getaway, his buddy shows up. It's, it's Zach, right? That shows up and then, and yeah. then he turns into you know, knuckle man and, and basically holds off, you know, Bravo while, while my and him run away. It's like, run away or whatever. But, you know, I was, yeah, it was really funny. I mean, yeah. yeah, it was funny because Kaito got a hold of Warren originally to like stall him, but like Bravo be Bravo. He's like, I'm just going to kick this guy's ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and, I, uh, I, I, I was just thinking like for me that that was kind of my main sticking point was, it's like, okay, it's been how long in this? And we still haven't gotten Baron in a fight, like the really for real Baron, you know, turning into Kamen Rider Baron and having a fight. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, wait, how can this be called, you know, Kamen Rider Baron guy? If, if it's like, oh, yeah. now Knuckle, Knuckle Man's in it, you know? And I was just like, what? Well, but, uh, yeah. on the flip side, I really like Knuckle Man. I don't know about Zach. Zach is an okay character. He doesn't piss me off or anything. He's fine. But I, I, I've said this before. I really, I mean, especially the last series we did on time, I really like the Knuckle Man look. And just like, Mr. Knuckle Man. 
And Zach yeah. actually he does like the SmackDown a little bit on Baron. He actually puts up a good fight, you know, at least long enough for them to get away. And it's not as bad because, okay, Oren, he's dealt with Kaido before he's fought him and stuff. And when Alfred got a hold of him, you know, like, yeah, whatever. And they go to Charmin. It seems kind of like, yeah, kind of like extra stuff added for no reason. But Zach is a part of Team Baron. I mean, he is Kaido's friend. So no, him no, no. I, involved, I, does, yeah, that didn't bother I, me as much. I understand why he got involved, and I don't really have any problem with Zack or Knuckle Man, but I'm just saying, I'm just trying to illustrate that as this is sold, it's not like... It's yeah, not yeah Knuckle, Knuckle Man is not Baron, yeah, yeah. It's not called Common Rider Gaim, like, you know, Knuckle Man, Bravo, and Baron's Excellent Adventure. It's like, it's just called Baron, you know? So kind of like, you know what? If you're going to call it that, you better, you know, deliver on the title and, and give me some Baron, which, you know, I, we're, we're about to get into here, but, but I, I just think it took a while before it got to that we're, point. So that's, that yeah, I'm just trying to, to illustrate that because I, you know, this is the, I like, like, like piece more than I like. Yeah. This. Cause Taka, Takatora story was about Takatora. Yeah. And that, and that's kind of the reason that's my reasoning. You know, that's the reason why it's not quite about, I mean, there are, portions of it that are about Baron, but you don't get too much into that in this. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I mean, I, I think of the two movies, I think this one is good, but I think it, yeah, it does have a uh, an amazing lack of Kaito. But yeah, Kaito does show up, and he does save Shapool, but it, 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 Kaito's way of doing things is always going to be Kaito's way, and I think this is probably one of the points you liked. It's like, he doesn't yell at Shapool, but he's like, you know, you have to be stronger, you know, you have to Quit letting people push you around, you know. That's why this is happening, you know. It's not because, you know, they're just evil. It's because you let yourself get pushed around, you know. This is this is this is why this is happening. You have to be stronger. You have to fight for what you believe in. Which, you know, pretty pretty fair point. Fair point is fair. He does turn into a banana arms, a banana spear. Dragon fruit lays him down. He just like kicks his ass, and he just you know does what he does. Dragon fruit, or I guess I should say pirate. Uh, again, he's pretty strong, so he doesn't, like, beat the crap out of Kaito. But he definitely, you know, is on the winning end of stuff. And then we get my favorite interpretation of Kaito, which is the Mango Arms. You know, fight of hammer. And Dragonfruit doesn't do too good against Mango. <laughs> During this battle, there's a cool bike chase, which is pretty cool. I, I called it the, the MI2 dirt bike off, like, because they're like, you know, they're, they're coming at each other with the bikes and everything like that. Like they're, they're knights on horses or something. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, I, I know you, especially you're not a big fan of the guy bikes, but a lot of people who like common rider, they're always like, you know, they like the bikes and Hey, if you like bikes, you get a fucking bike chase. So be happy. And then we, then we see the, the problem with the dragon fruit arms. It's just like the Ringo arms. It will slowly turn into an invest. Unlike Idun, who didn't fully turn into one, Alfred turns into a full invest, a dragon-like invest. And then, in a nice little, I guess you would say, surprise, Baron actually uses Ringo arms and pulls out all the stops and defeats the evil Alfred the Butler and kills the invest. You know, like like that was the whole thing where like you know, Takatora didn't really kill the bad guy. And on this one, yeah, you know, Kaido kills the bad guy, which is kind of cool. And you get kind of like, you know, that whole, like, I guess, 
rounding out. You know, you get the action I think you were looking for on that. But at the same time, eh, still not as a, a good of a Kaito story as it could have been. Well, I think I think in the beginning, like I was saying, it was more a showcase for the actor playing the the Shapool character. I think yeah. the the point where the point where Kaido finally starts to own the Gaiden, like to to be the main character, I think is when he goes into his backstory. And that's something yeah. that I was kind of curious to talk to you about, like to ask you about and everything. Because for me, it was kind of like they, they did this Alan Moore twist, you know, where it's like, you know, Swamp Thing is not a man who turns into a plant monster. It's a plant who thinks he's a man. And you're like, mind blown <laughs> or whatever, when you're like, you know, 12 years old or whatever. And, and like in this, I, I felt like there was that aspect to it where they go into the backstory. And, you know, I, I don't know, like, I, I imagine this is never brought up ever again in, in the actual TV series. But I imagine if even if you've watched the whole TV series, there's still that aspect of your mind's kind of blown because the way it's sold in the TV show, it, you basically see that Kaito has a big grudge against the Grazel Corporation because they, they basically ran his father out of town. His father had a factory, and the tower that is the Grazel Tower was built on his father's property. It wiped out the little religious, you know, settlement with the Grazel tree and all that kind of good stuff. And in this, you see the reason why his father was run out of town was not because they were all big, bad, and mean, and had, you know, so much power and money and influence that they just ran him out of town. It was that they gave him a money, uh, a money. They gave him a suitcase full of money, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah. whoa. Like, so basically he was just paid off, you know? And it's like, that's, that kind of puts a different twist on the whole thing where you're like, wow, like, yeah. okay. So he was just paid off with, he was bought off, not, it wasn't like, I mean, you know, I don't know. It's like one of those things. It's kind of, it's a difference between like Disney came in and Disney like shit on George Lucas's chest and then they stole Star <laughs> Wars from him. And then it's like, wait, no, they just gave him a suitcase with $4 billion. And you're like, well, yeah. wait, that's not the same thing. That's, I, I, I that's think they actually gave him a cake, you know? <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's a little different, you know, like that's not quite the same thing. And, but, but I guess, you know, the, the, it doesn't turn out as good for, for Kaito's dad as it does for George Lucas because it's like, after that, like, I was a little confused by the flashback, but basically it, it looks like getting that money and them basically becoming, I don't know, not inactive, but it seems like, it just seems like the money somehow corrupted his father because he... he I guess the idea is, and you don't get too much of this from the flashback, but it, it yeah. seems like he got into maybe gambling and and just kind of being a, a uh, you know, I don't know, like just, just you know, not using it for, for the purposes of good. It was just more not, about... Not, not, a, not a scumbag, but he, he let it get to him. Yeah, he, he basically let, let the money kind of control his life or something like that, where where it's like he was, you know, maybe he started gambling and doing all this, you know, stupid shit. And then and then it seems like I, I, I'm, I was kind of confused, but basically it seems like the mother committed suicide and then the dad hung himself. Like, is that what yeah. you got out of it? Yeah, it, yeah, it seemed like it ended very tragically. 
Like you, but you know, I mean, like, I mean, it's clear that. Out. Yeah, it's clear because it's like it's like okay, you see, you see one of the parents hung themselves, which I'm assuming is the father because he discovers the mother is keeled over in the kitchen. But I was like, yeah. I was kind of unsure, like, like what was his mom diabetic and she just took a bunch of like sugar cubes or something. Like I wasn't, I wasn't exactly sure or, why. Or, or, or didn't, or didn't take her medication and just died. Yeah. 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 Something like that. I, I wasn't sure exactly what had happened, but it was like, it was like the mother purposely sort of, you know, committed suicide. And then when the father came home, he, he realized that the money had corrupted him and, and led to, his wife killing herself and then he hangs himself. So like that aspect well, it, of it is where, where you get the whole mature adult, you know, labeling that something yeah. that probably wouldn't be on the TV series, you know? Well, it's very interesting because I, I, I like to do a little bit of research for do these shows on the writer wiki, because the translations are kind of hit or miss, you know, it's like you get the idea of the show and by watching it, you get like, you know, the scope of what's going on. But sometimes those little nuggets kind of, you know, pass you by. And on Kaito's wiki, it's actually said that despite his love of strength and the fact that like in the show he comes off as someone who's strong, who just wants to get stronger, his actual motivation is he came from a weak place. And he thinks he's weak, and he has to be strong, because if he's not strong, he has seen what strength does. And that's kind of an interesting twist, you know? It's like you always thought, like, Kaito thought he was – the strongest, and when he gets beat, he's like, I'm just going to get stronger. And now it's, like, kind of shown that, like, he came from a, a dysfunctional family. It wasn't someone who was, like, a, a business leader who got pushed out. You know, someone who was strong who just got beat by someone stronger. It was someone who was doing okay, got bought off, became weak. He had a moment of weakness. And because of that weakness, his family was destroyed. So Kaido comes from, like, what he sees as a weak, a weak place, a failure. You know, he's like... My family died because strong people will always win, and they make people weak, and I've got to be strong. So that's even more different and interesting than just, you know, I've always been strong, and I'll be stronger. i just got to beat the stronger people, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that was cool. Yeah, the, the, the flashbacks were like, you understand why Kaido doesn't like Yggdrasil, you know, and you understand why he doesn't talk about his father that much. You know, you would think like he would be like, you know, my dad, he worked hard. No, he doesn't hate his dad, but the, the nicest way to put it is he's disappointed. He's he's heartbroken that his family become became that. And that is that's probably probably one of the stronger points of the whole movie on this. I think that does yeah. help. And if there had been more of that, it would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I expected a whole movie of that, and and I got a couple nice nuggets that that were very good, uh, but it, you know I'm just illustrating that that I think they were they were certainly car, uh, compartmentalized, you know, where it was it was yeah. snippets of the flashback and everything, and I mean even you even get some backstory with with Shapool where you know they they try to explain how he's afraid to to talk to his father how he's afraid to even make changes and he feels weak and everything yeah he's not so much hoity-toity he's he's just he's sheltered he doesn't know what life is yeah and 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 kaito basically he tries to impart his philosophy on him i i think it's interesting though because the way he ends up taking it is he doesn't so much. I mean, I guess he listens to what Kaido has to tell him, but ultimately, what he takes away 
from from their time spent together and their encounter spent together is even though Kaito says, you know, depend on number one, depend on yourself, like be strong, you know, depending on other people is weak and blah, 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 blah. Like ultimately what he comes to take away from it is he's got friends like Zach and, you know, he's got friends like Team Baron and, and you know, even Mai to a degree and all this other stuff. And, and what, you know, Shapul sees is, oh, well, you've got this infrastructure that actually is supporting you. And even if I stand up to my father, you know, I, I think his original thinking is, well, if I do that, then I'm dead in the water and nobody will be there to help me. But actually seeing Kaito, you know, basically tell him the backstory of how he has no family, but then seeing the actions of all these friends of his that support yeah. him as he goes through this episode he realizes, oh, well, I, I have, I can have that support structure too. You know, I, there, there are friends I have that will support me and, and look out for me. And, and that, you know, just because I, you know, have a philosophical disagreement with my father and if he cuts me off, you know, to him, like at first, that would probably be the end of the world. But now he realizes, no, yeah. that's not going to be the end of the world. And, and I can still continue on, you know, doing what I think is right but also, you know, having some kind of support structure in place that, you know, you know, I won't basically be destitute or homeless or, or you know, whatever his, I think, initial fears were. So, I mean, I, I think yeah, that's yeah. interesting that he's had, you know, Kaido's such a strong personality that, you know, even though he, he had an influence on him, even through, you know, the actions of others. So, I, I mean, you know, overall... Like, I'm going to say I, I found this to be a well-done episode. I just didn't like it as much as that gets it. So I would give it, I, I'd give this particular portion four pineapples out of five. So for me, like, overall, this entire experience, like, uh, you know, 4.5. But but the yeah. Sangetsu <laughs> one, I would give five out of five. And this one, I'd just give four out of five. It's good. You know, the, the you know, the acting is well done. Yes, the actor gets to flexes acting chops he gets to again delve into the whole cooking thing i think that's a little more egocentric you know not that there's anything wrong with that but it's playing to his. and, and you do get to see your girlfriend his alternate, his alternate strengths yeah Mai's in the episode and she, she gets to have a little fun and everything like that's a little <laughs> you know so i mean there's yeah, plenty I, of I, fun things about it I, I think the most telltale thing though is like when we consider the zangetsu part a movie you keep calling this an episode. And I know it's just because you consider an episode. That's kind of telling. When you see the Zangetsu thing, you're like, oh, this is a movie. This is like, uh, you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I, th I think this is a four pineapple episode. Uh, I'm doing it too now. This is a four pineapple installment of this movie. It's really good, but I think this could have been a two-part episode, you know, in the, in the main show. And... It's not bad by any stretch of imagination. It's, it's it's really well done. You know the the cinematography, the fights are the fights are still good. The fights not as good against Dragonfruit as against I Dun, and I think that's a shame because Dragonfruit is a really cool looking suit. You haven't seen the last of Dragonfruit. Just saying, it's just just letting you know, Dragonfruit. <laughs> <laughs> not not over yet. I will tell you this much: no spoilers because it doesn't matter. It's not Alfred though. Alfred's Alfred's toast, but dragon fruit. Yeah, you haven't seen the last of that fruit. But, but Alfred had so many socks to wash. 
No. But as far as like an overall, I want to go a little bit higher. I want to give this like four point like seven five, like a little bit higher okay. than you. But okay. just just because I think the Zangetsu was so strong, and me as a fan of Gaim, I was really wanting a backstory for Takatora. I was wanting to see him show up more and do more things, and that's totally what the first movie was. It totally delivered on that promise. It was like when you said it was Zangetsu, it was Zangetsu. Baron was not totally barren. And but I think that just made the Zangetsu portion stronger, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah, so. It is kind of funny though, since we've wrapped up the analysis and overview of Kamadraida, Gaiden. Well Gaim, Gaiden. This is actually part one. I uh, revealed to Derek that they're making a Gaiden part two, which is going to be released later on this year. Which we will do at some point. It's going to be whenever the chronology fits into the show. It might be after we're done with Gaim, because they've released no specifics. However, this time around, it's kind of funny that you mentioned Knuckleman, and it's also funny that Ryoma is in both of these episodes. As the next Gaiden, Kamen Rider Gaiden guide 2 is Knuckleman and Kamen Rider Duke, which I think should be really fun. Yeah, I, I think that'd be fun. I, I think what they did was, since this was a you know, a home video type release. They actually had the people that bought this DVD vote on the characters that they'd like to see in a follow-up guidance. And so there were a couple different choices, but I guess most people must have voted for Knuckleman and Ryoma. So that's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm up yeah, to and Yeah, and I, I love the Gaim universe so much, even though we're – we're getting close to dry being ending. I think it's got like maybe a few more months. If they keep making Gaim movies, I'll watch them. I love Gaim. So, you know, bring on, you know, Bravo and Grydon. Bring on like fucking Hase and fucking, you know, fucking Sid. I don't care. I'll watch them. Such good stuff. I guess in the end, though, I will give props to Derek. I'll let him give any kind of final thoughts he wants to give. This was his baby. He said he watched Gaiden, and I, I should check it out. A lot of the sideshows, I've watched the proper show, and I've watched it all before Derek has, but a lot of the sideshows we've been doing on these movies have been Derek's inspiration because they do fit inside the timeline. So I'd like to throw out a appreciation for that because that, that was really cool. That does kind of bring the universe more together. And is there any any kind of final thoughts you want to give on Gaiden, or you pretty much summed it up already? Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed it very much. I think I think if you're a fan of the TV series, I think you will like these these side films. But you know, just keep in mind, like, I mean, there is a bit more of an adult vibe, an adult feel to them. So if that's something that you know either rubs you the wrong way, or you you know you don't want to watch this with the kids or whatever. I mean, you, you may want to take that into consideration, but I, I think overall these were, I mean, you know, especially, you know, as a, as a total product, this, this first Gaim guidance, you know, I, I think it was very well done. I guess the, the only caveat I'll say is since we, since we haven't seen the part two, you know, since we haven't seen the, the Knuckleman Ryoma part, we probably don't really know where it falls in the chronology. So, who knows, maybe by the time it's released, it'll just be, you know, a tacked on afterthought on Toku Thursdays or something. But, but I mean, if we, if, yeah, we, if uh, it does come out and we can figure out where it falls in the chronology and we haven't already covered that chronology yet, then yeah, we'll, we'll certainly try to, to throw it in and, and, and make it fit. But for, for right now, I think, 
I want to say the next, I think the next thing we're going to do is the, the Heisei versus Showa Rider movie. So I think that's what's next. I think that's what's next on the list. So. Yeah, which is, which is a big movie. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal. I watched that. That was very good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. As far as Knuckle Man, Duke, sorry, guys. The, they, they threw us a bone, like, but they also threw us a curveball because this is still in production. It's not released yet, so we'll try to fit it in as best we can. We probably will cover it, but it might be after Gaim's over as far as our coverage of the uh, series of movies. So just bear with us. Not our fault. Yeah, we got to do what we got to do. As far as the Heisei versus Showa, yeah, definitely tune in for that, guys. We will definitely be going into the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s. So that will be a lot of fun. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in to us on Toku Thursdays. If it weren't for your support, we wouldn't be here. We appreciate all the feedback. Speaking of feedback, you can get a hold of us at Podcast at gmail.com. You can get a hold of us on Facebook. We have a Twitter. We have Instagram. We have a Tumblr. If you want to listen to us, you have multiple options. We have our Podbean. We also have our iTunes and Stitcher Radio, which is live streaming. So you can just like chill out and like, I don't know, maybe like take a little run, you know, listen to us on Stitcher. So all those great avenues to listen to the show. We have many shows that we do. We do our Fan Holes podcast proper, which is just a mishmash of everything pop culture that we'd love to talk about. We also have Toku Thursdays, which we're doing today. We have Sentai Saturdays. We have Mobile Suit Mondays. We have Transformer Tuesdays. Just whatever your geek fix is, hopefully we try to give you a little bit of a pump of adrenaline so you can hear about your favorite things in the world of pop culture. Other than that, this was a fun thing to do. I really, I, I told Derek, uh, I was I was joking with him. I was like, I came home one night and I was like, oh, I haven't watched Gaiden yet. I guess I should watch fucking Gaiden. Because sometimes, you know, being a podcaster, you have to like, you have to do research. You have to do your job. And I was like, I guess I'll watch this. I like Baron and I'm, I'm curious about Zangetsu. I watched it and I was completely satisfied and happy that I I had to watch this. Because I had to watch it, but then after I got it done, I was like, I wanted to watch this. I was like, this, this was so good. And that that's like one of the biggest joys of doing a show like this is you find stuff that you like, and then you find other things that you love more and you like, you know, get to experience the whole realm of entertainment and stuff. So thank you very much, Derek, for suggesting Kamen Rider Gaiden. Yeah, no problem, Tony. This was awesome. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I hope everybody enjoyed uh, listening to the show. So, until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. This is Tony and Henshin. Come on.